All right, well, we're going to dive into a new series here called Jesus Said. Everybody say Jesus Said. Jesus. Or we could just call it Written in Red. But we're going to look at some very important things that Jesus has said. And I'm going to scoot along here this morning and pretty much kind of introduce and, and get us going here. There are many voices in the world today. Would you agree with that? We have a, a, a war of ideas is raging. Uh, and, and that's really what it's all about is ideas. And in a political season, all of that war of ideas really is just kind of heightened and, and magnified. Uh, it seems that in our media, some have kind of commandeered the microphone and um, don't speak for the silent majority. And therefore, you have skewed perspective on what is right and what is real. And it's all really about influence and beliefs, influence and beliefs, and influencing those who already have a belief to try to get them to change their belief. That's all that this is about. And so it is important. It is vital, church. Y'all with me? It is vital that we get clear then on what do I believe about everything in life. And Jesus had something to say about our lives, and we want, we want to get a hold of that. In our world today, there's so much noise and static and distortion concerning ideas and values and, and questions and so forth. So I want to encourage you that, that we look at what Jesus said. Now get this. Your life is governed by what you believe. Let that land with you. Uh, say this with me. My life is governed by what I believe. And that's everybody. I don't care who you are. That your life is governed by what you believe. Now get the second part of this though. What you believe has been largely determined by what you hear. Jesus said in, in uh, Mark 4.24, especially in the Amplified Bible, he said, be careful what you're hearing. Be careful what you're hearing. He says there needs to be a measure of thought and study added to what you hear. So I would say to you regarding all the questions and issues in the world, number one, you need to think. Everybody say think. I'm amazed at people that don't think. They just hear something and they go, Okay. You know, and, and we don't need to handle life that way. We need to think. We need to be discerning. We need to be careful. And we need to be prayerful Amen. regarding issues and, and uh, thoughts and ideas and questions in the world today. The most important question, now follow this, the most important question for every area of life. Everybody say every area. The most important question for every area of life really comes down to this. What does God say about it? That's what we're after. That's what we want to drill down. That's what you need to do on a daily basis is find out in your life, what does God say about this? And we can do that. And, and we're going to equip you and help you along those lines in this so that you can find and do the will of God for your life. And notice I had you em uh, to emphasize with me every area. And so that's with your finances, in your relationships, and decisions you're about to make, temptation that you're facing, something that you've dreamt of doing. What does God say about it? That's the question that needs to be answered. Sometimes we call or text our three friends. What do you think? And I think there's wisdom, there's value, there's safety in godly counsel. But let me just go ahead. Could I just talk straight a little bit? If your three friends are losers then just love them. Just love them and encourage them, but don't ask them for advice. Okay? And bring them to church. 
But we've got to find out what does God say about this. Part of our, our vacation, uh, we spent some time in Washington, D.C. And I told my family at some point on the, on the trip, and there were just four of us this time. It was Alicia and I and then, and then Greta and Gabriel. So it was just four of us. So we traveled light, and we, we just, it was just smooth, seriously, except for Alicia arguing with technology. But <laughs> other than that, it was, it was just, just smooth. But I t- and it was also a fraction of the cost, too. But uh, anyway, um, I told them, I said, now, I'm not trying to be cheesy or super spiritual or whatever. I said, but at some point in Washington... I want us as a family, at some place, I want us to pray for our leaders and for our nation. And they said, no, that's not cheesy, that's, that's fine. So, and I, I wasn't constantly, well, should it be here, should it be here? Should I stand by Abraham Lincoln? You know, it, I just knew there would be a right, a right moment. And, we, and, and I love the, the history that's in D.C. It was a wonderful trip. Scripture is inscribed all over the place. Architecture is incredible. Made me very proud, you know, that that's our capital. And we were out on the Capitol lawn, out in front of the Capitol building. What a building, beautiful building. And we're out on this big lawn in front of it. And I just, in my heart, I just had that little holy whisper. This is the place. And we're taking pictures, you know, and everything. And I said, hey, guys, could we? And we just kind of huddled together on the Capitol lawn facing the Capitol and we prayed just a short prayer. We didn't, you know, go into kumbaya and, you know, and <laughs> just a little prayer, just my little family. And we just huddled together real quick. And the essence of the prayer was this. God help the men and women that work in this building to find and do the will of God. Amen. To find and do the will of God. And you know what? That's what we need. We also walked by this big house. They wouldn't let us in. It was well, It was white, a white house. We walked past that one. And I prayed the same thing. That our president, and hear me on this, my president. Some of you, if this is your country, that's your president. You hear me? Some people have reserved the right to only critique and only to criticize because you didn't vote. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And so we pray. It's, it's a, a scriptural mandate we pray. And I pray for our president. I pray for my president that he would find and do the will of God. And I held on the gate and I yelled a bunch and they drug me away. But anyway, um, no, they didn't. I didn't do it. But, you know, and it, you'll clap, yay, for the Capitol and for all our leaders and everything. But what about you? It's that you, you would find and do the will of God. And God will reveal his will. And Jesus has spoke concerning this. In Hebrews chapter 1, and I'm going to read the first three verses here in the New Living Translation. It says, long ago, God spoke. Everybody say, God spoke. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, everybody say now. And now, in these final days, he has spoken Help me. To us, through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates, S-O-N, son, radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God 
in heaven. Now, let me just talk about this verse just for a moment. These verses, these three verses, really are incomplete because the first four verses of Hebrews 1, the first four verses in the Greek is actually one sentence. It's just this one huge, incredible sentence that goes on, and it hangs on this clause. God has spoken. Everybody say that. God has spoken. little souvenir. I probably should have ignored it now, but anyway. God has spoken. Say it again. God has spoken. So these first four verses, we just read three of them, hangs on this clause that God has spoken. And let's look at this. He's spoken through his son. In these last days, in previous times, he's spoken in a number of ways. But in this dispensation, in this time that we're in, what Jesus says is what matters. And we need to pay attention to and learn to embrace what Jesus says. And Jesus is the express image of the Father. The scripture says he's the express image of his person. The Amplified Bible says he's the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. And Jesus himself said, I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it. I don't say anything unless I hear my father saying it. And I did not come to do my own will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. Okay. And so when Jesus speaks, guess who's speaking? God is speaking. And God has chosen in these last days to speak through his son. And we have that by the word of God and by the help of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus has said. And so we need to dig in and to look at this. Now, John 3.16, you know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And when we say God so loved the world, it's not so much the planet. Of course, he loved the planet. But it's not, you know, it's not about God going green. I digress. Um, God so loved the world, it's people. He so loved the world that he did what? He sent his son. He sent his only begotten son, and the scripture says that the son came and dwelt among us in his earthly ministry. And he, John 1, 14 says, and he was full of, get this, grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. And then the scripture shows a summary of what Jesus did when he was here. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. So no doubt, God so loved the world, people, that he sent his son, Jesus, who came and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, who went about two-thirds of his ministry, preaching and teaching, and then healing. No doubt, he spoke. And he spoke. Then I, I want you to get it this way. God has spoken through his love. Through his son to us. Everybody say it with me. God has spoken through his love, through his son to us. Now, let's take this a little bit further. These words then, no doubt, are important. And they're compelling and they're relevant. What Jesus said matters. Get this. That's, a, that's our title. Jesus said. What Jesus said matters. Matters. We say that with me. What Jesus said matters. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, and let's just read this real quick, verse 28 and 29. 
And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished. Note that word, astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. It has to do part with the manner in which Jesus delivered. You do know that how you deliver something is very important. And so the manner in which he did it, because he said he did it with authority, not like the scribes did. He did it with some clarity. He did it with some love. He did it with some grace and with some truth. But it is also the content of this. But Jesus came and when he spoke, and we find this 21 times in the New Testament, that they were astonished. That Greek word, astonished, ekpleso, means this. Struck, amazed, stunned, overwhelmed. They marveled. Guess what? Listen to me. God spoke through love, through his son, And when people heard it, get this, when people heard it in the right way, they were stunned. They were astonished. I want to tell you that as we go through this series, these next few weeks, you're going to be astonished. You're going to be amazed at what Jesus said. I'm telling you, lights are going to come on in your life. Because actually what you're going to get is God has spoken in these days through his love, through his son to you. And you'll be astonished. You'll be astonished. What he said was astonishing. And what he said is still astonishing. And we need to find out and embrace what Jesus said. And John 6, and and let me just set this up for you real quick. As, As Jesus was teaching, he had to go on to some more difficult material. The challenge of ministering, especially to a group like this, how many of you know that we're probably not all at the same level? You know, it's kind of like when you go to the gym or something, you see the guy that's just like this, and then you see people like you. And, and, or you're in between or whatever else. Everybody's on different levels. You know, it's like, and it's okay if spiritually you're in second grade, you know? But it's not okay if you're in second grade and you're the only one shaving. You know what, I, you know what I'm saying? Y'all with me? So we, we got to be growing. You following? You gotta be, we got to be growing. And so there came a place where Jesus gave some difficult sayings, some hard teachings. And people weren't able to connect between the spiritual truths and the natural analogies that he used. And he talked about eating his flesh and blood. And they go, oh, we're not doing that. You know, and so they left. And when they left, this is how Jesus responded to his disciples in John 6, verse 67, 68 in the message. Then Jesus gave the 12 their chance. He said, do you also want to leave? Do you also want to leave? And Peter replied, Master, to whom would we go? You have the words of real life, eternal life. And we need to realize, where would we go? Where are you looking for truth? Where are you looking to find what to build your life on? Where are we going to go? We're going to go to the one whose words are real life, the words of eternal life, and that is only through Jesus. In John 6, 63, Jesus said this, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. In the message, it says, every word I've spoken to you is a spirit word, and so it is life-making Did you get that? Every word that Jesus would speak is a spirit word, and it is life-making. In the book of Acts, we see that the apostles, or the the people continued in the apostles' doctrine. Well, what is the apostles' doctrine? Where did they get it? They got it from Jesus. Why did they continue in it? I'll tell you why they continued in it, because it was words of life. 
Get this church. It's words of life. It's, it's words that are life-giving and words that are life-changing. And those are the words we need. We don't need to just enjoy the words of Jesus. We need the words of Jesus. They're words of, they're words of life for us. They are bread. They are meat. They are food for us. It is also said in the book of Acts that some of his followers uh, went to a certain city and the leaders there that were opposing them said, those that have turned the world upside down have come here also. Let me correct that, their perspective. They didn't turn the world upside down. They turned the world right side up. It's countercultural, a lot of what Jesus says. Much of what Jesus says, and we'll, we'll see it real clearly, he'll say, you've heard it said this way, but I tell you it's this way. And so because we've gone the way they said it's this way. Some of you, listen to me, and I say this in love and no condemnation, some of you are living upside down. The words of Jesus will astonish you and they'll help you to get your life right side up. And we've got to have these in our life. Now, largely what we're going to do in this series is look at some of the most important things that Jesus said. And predominantly they're going to come from what is called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, verse 1 through Matthew 7, verse 29. It's those, those three chapters, 5, 6, 7. And look at me, church. That's your homework. That's your reading assignment before next week. Y'all are like, oh. Listen to me. It's 111 verses. Divided over seven days, it's less than 16 verses a day. You can do it, or you have a good friend that will at least put you in a headlock and read it to you. Okay? <laughs> All right? And a lot of the times what we have recorded of Jesus speaking is kind of metaphorical, that he would tell stories, that he, he shared parables, or he answered a question, or he responded to a situation. But on the Sermon on the Mount, we have written in red, we have almost uninterrupted the most direct teaching of Jesus, what Jesus said. And he covers things. He, he literally sums up the whole Bible. And I want to tell you, it is a gold mine. And I also have to tell you that a lot of it is countercultural. But I'd rather go his way. Amen. I'd rather know the truth. Yes. I'd, I'd rather find the path that is lit that leads to life than just take the super highway with everybody. You know where we're going? No, I don't know where we're going. Where are we going? We're following them. And, they, you know, and, and we, we cannot afford to do that. So you have to know in our lives the grace, the truth that comes from God our Father who has spoken through his love, through his Son, and he's spoken this to us. Here's some of the things that, that Jesus addressed in the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about law. He talked about anger. He talked about worry, adultery, divorce, enemies, the needy. He talked about how to treat other people. He told us what to do with money and how to view possessions. He talked about judging. It's in the Sermon on the Mount that we find the Lord's Prayer, the Beatitudes, the Golden Rule. We find out how to be his follower. Finding direction and fulfillment. How many of you would just love to have some direction and fulfillment? And he'll give us a great direction concerning this. And I love this part. We'll also learn how to live free from hypocrisy. Did you hear that? Could you imagine if real believers would act like real believers and we lived free from hypocrisy? How to be full of love. How to have grace in your life. Finding wisdom and discernment, living dedicated to God and pleasing to God. And really what it is, he gives us principles for our life. And let me tell you, folks, you cannot live your life by feeling. Amen. And you can't live your life by just navigating through every circumstance and situation that arises. You have to live by principles. 
And you've got to decide today, where am I going to get my principles? Am I going to get them from Oprah's book club or from this or from that or online or I get a daily email or I've got my three friends. We already talked about them. Where are you going to get your principles? You've got to live by principle or you will live by circumstance. And circumstances will whiplash you. It will beat you. It will drain you and leave you somewhere lost. And I'll tell you what, you will be worn out. You will live worn out. But if you live by principle, listen to me. If you will live by principle, get your principles established in your life. I believe this. About 95% of your questions are answered. A situation comes up, you refer back to your principles. A temptation arises, you refer back to your principles. And if you'll get these set, and Jesus will give them to us, about 95% of your questions are going to be answered. And you've got to have principles for every area of life. Here's another principle I have. This is not necessarily scriptural, but it's a principle, that one that I live by. Red meat is not bad for you. Oh, wait a minute. Fuzzy green meat is bad for you. I live by that. It's a principle of my life. Now, for real, do your homework. Read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Do that for next week, and that'll help you a little bit. Now, let me cover a couple other things, and uh, then we'll get out of here. I've already talked too long, but I haven't got to talk in two weeks, okay? So, now just hang on. This is important where we're headed right now. Jesus spoke the most incredible, significant words ever uttered on this planet. And they're still being voiced. They are still being spoken. And they still are astonishing. No other religion, religious figure, philosopher, teacher, leader has even come close to the words that Jesus spoke. And if you do ever hear of anything that is profound, that is true, that works, I promise you, you can trace it back to Jesus. But just as what is said is important, hear me, who it is spoken to is vitally important. Did you hear me? It's not just what is being said. Who was he speaking to? And let's look at something real quick here. Matthew chapter 9, and I'll, I'll read this in a moment. Jesus, early in his ministry, he walks by a gentleman who's seated at a table. He's a tax collector. He's despised by his culture because he robs them in the name of government. And he gets away with it. And they despise him and there's nothing that they can do about it. And Jesus walks by this man, his name is Matthew. And he said, Matthew, get up and follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. And I don't know if it was that night or the next night, but Matthew had a dinner party at his house. And Jesus is there with the boys, the disciples. And there's a bunch of other people there too. A bunch of other tax collectors. And the most accurate way to describe the rest of the people from the original language is this, disreputable sinners. How many of there's sinners and then there's disreputable sinners? Jesus is at a dinner party with these people. And so let's dive into scripture here. Then in Matthew 9, verse 11 through 13, it says, but when the Pharisees, these are the religious ones, saw this, they asked his disciples, listen to this. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? Can I insert something here? They had truth, but no love, which skews your truth. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? 
And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want to show you mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. In the message it says, when the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit and they lit into Jesus' followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? Jesus overhearing shot back, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. It's not just what Jesus said. It's who he came to say it to. I'll tell you who he came to say it to. He prophesied that he fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. And in Luke chapter 4, he walked into the temple and he took up the scroll and he read from Isaiah. And he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach this good news to. And I've expanded the list a little bit here. To the poor and the helpless and the brokenhearted and shattered and bruised and the captive and the blind and the oppressed. The broken, the bound, the addicted, the wounded, the damaged, the lost, the rejected, the wandering and the overwhelmed. It's not just what he came to say. Listen to me. It's to who he came to say it. And I want to ask you, who did he come to say it? Don't answer yet. I just read you. I just called attendance today. I just called roll today. Who did he come to say what he said? Who did God out of his love and through his son speak to? He spoke to you. He spoke to me. And your culture and the devil and your schedule and your own desires and appetites drag you away so you don't hear these words that would absolutely astonish you and turn your life right side up. So you are under court order to be here every service. I can't do that. If I could, I sure would. But get here because we're going to explore this and I'm telling you, you're going to be stunned in a wonderful way, in an astonishing way. Let me close with this. There was a time where Jesus took three of his closest men, Peter, James, and John. He said, I want you to come with me. And he went up a mountain. And when they were alone, and I'm sure they were kind of chit-chatting along the way, at least the guys were. Jesus was always on a mission. And when they got alone... I just imagine in my mind, Jesus just kind of stopped for a moment and looked at those guys. And the scripture says that suddenly his face became like the sun and his clothes turned into light. And all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses are standing there. It's the Mount of Transfiguration. It's the glory of God. It's absolutely heaven and earth kissing. And something incredible is going on. And Peter, in Peter's style, says, we've got to build a memorial for each of you guys. And you and I would probably say something dumb, too. 
And all of a sudden, another voice spoke up. And it came out of heaven. And it was God. And get this. He said, this is my beloved son. And whom I'm well pleased. Next two words. Hear him. Hear him. There's an invasion of heaven into earth. At a most incredible moment that cannot even be explained or understood. And the divine command and instruction that came out of that is hear him. God. Sorry. God has spoken through his love, through his son. you. Hear him. Hear him. You'll be astonished and you'll never be the same. Did you get anything at all out of this?